You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. We have all seen uh, the images of all those huge lines of migrants, basically a cardboard city, if you will, not a tent city, but a cardboard city outside the Roosevelt Hotel because we are busting at the seams. And now they have moved them, uh, but they haven't solved the problem whatsoever. And joining us now is New York City Councilman Joe Borelli. He's the minority leader, of course, of the New York City Council. Uh, Councilman Borelli, uh, it, to me, the money is astounding. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. We're spending eight million dollars a day on the migrants, and that's more than uh, that's more than the fire department and sanit- sanitation com- department combined. The resources that's astounding. Correct. And the fire department has ten thousand firefighters, five thousand EMTs, five thousand ambulances, three hundred firehouses, twenty four seven watching the city. Uh, and yet that costs less. It somehow costs less than the migrant crisis. We have a population right now the size of Helena, Montana, that we're just paying for every aspect of their life. Food, shelter, education, health care, laundry, cell phone, you name it. Every dollar. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, give us the update, because we know that they moved them uh, from Roosevelt, at least outside, but they just moved them to another location. And we're hearing from the mayor, uh, it's going to go downhill from here. I feel like going downhill. Uh, what, are we going to, like, go below the basement, you know? Well, I, I think that's a brutally assessment, uh, honest assessment from him, that it's only going to get worse. Um, and, and I'm glad he said that, because it's honest. Uh, but the problem is, you know, they were all about taking on this problem uh, when they thought it was going to be 5,000 people, 10,000 people. That would be a drop in the bucket for New York. We wouldn't even notice it. Yeah, nobody now minds for 5,000 people. And, and and vetting them, too. Vetting them, please. So how many do you think we I've heard numbers of 60,000. I've heard numbers of 100,000. Uh, so as of today, 105 or so thousand have come through the system. Uh, there are 53 or 54,000 people who are migrants currently in shelter. Uh, that That is, as I said before, the same population as Helena, Montana, a wonderful city, I'm sure. And also a um, homeless population in New York, uh, and I'm talking about American citizens, uh, is about 60,000, I've heard. So, I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, when you look at the comparison, you know what gets me so now, frustrated? I, I Why not close around. the border? Why not around. close the border? You know, the American people are saying, who should we take care first? The people crossing the border and coming in from Africa and Senegal and Costa Rica and in South America, or the American people that are poor and need help? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, first and foremost, we should be starting with our own citizens. I mean, that, that's, that's clear as day. I mean, that's essentially enshrined in all our laws. That's what's supposed to happen. Um, that's even the goal of sort of a welfare city that we have and we live in. I mean, that, that's the vision of progressive utopia where we can basically, you know, accommodate and feed and clothe every one of our own citizens. The problem is when you add uh, to, to the mix, you, you add a, a variable to which you can't really come up with, a, with an answer of how many people in total it will be. That's when the system collapses. It's easy for us to, to basically raise revenue and say, okay, we can provide more services for our citizens if we raise more, more taxes. You can't do that when you have a spigot that's just leaking uh, and there's no control. So close the border. I, I mean, I, where are the Democrats finally going to the White House? They're just asking for money, but they're not asking to close the border, Joe Borelli. No, no they're not, and they, re- they refuse to. Um, you know, they are just under this impression that things were not, in fact, better when Trump was president, when we had uh, Title 41, when we had Remain in Mexico. 
It's just objective facts that the border situation was better under President Trump. There is no there is no way to spin that. There is no way to, to hide that. There's no way to pretend like that didn't happen. Yes. Uh, and by the way, President Trump let in thousands of asylum seekers who did it the right way, the legal way, the way we've always accepted people. Uh, it's just a shame that they won't admit that that immigration and border policy under President Trump was light years better uh, than uh, Joe Biden. Uh, Joe, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. Welcome back to the show. Listen, it's very simple. Right now, you really have a, a, an economic crisis, you have a social crisis, but you also have a public health crisis. There's no reason they can't resurrect Title 42. And by the way, we're going to have Dr. Mark Siegel coming right. on in a second talking about that. Yeah, can, about the health yeah. of the uh, migrants coming over the border. Right. The point is, you don't know what diseases they're carrying. They're not being screened. We're getting the reintroduction of diseases we haven't had in this country in decades and decades and decades. This is serious public health crisis, and they're walking amongst us. When will they give up the idea that sanctuary cities is a good idea for the public health and the security of our people, Joe? But you're making the mistake of trying to put a scale together and putting on the blocks that weigh good things and bad things and trying to figure out the best outcome for the city. That's not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with ideologues who believe that open borders are the only you know, rational policy that should happen on immigration. That's the, that should be the true goal of sort of the world uh, democracies at large, where we should be able to travel for free between all of them. Don't forget that that was essentially the policy of, of, of the EU. I mean, it still is, uh, you know, with the exception of, of Brexit. But that's the goal. Rational policy and, and decision making based on logic, reason and resources is not what's driving this policy. That's what drove the Trump policy, by the way. Uh, that's just not driving the Biden policy, and it's not driving the pressure that even moderate Democrats face from the left when they get hassled and harassed by these crazy advocacy groups that just want more immigration and more open borders. Um, Ed Cox, you have a question, too? Uh, yes, sir. Joe, good to talk to you again. The The number of migrants here are only about 1% of all migrants who have come in this country, and yet here we're just throwing money at it, which is what? New York, the powers that be here in New York do. And not just what? money, a hotel room, a cell phone, and a media, food. And a travel. How about the other 99% that the rest of the country has to deal with? Well, for better or worse, those people that came prior to, say, last year weren't promised, you know, the streets paved with gold and actually expected on, on achieving it. Uh, they came here essentially with plans to work. Maybe they had a brother in St. Louis who was doing construction and they were going to get a job with them. Um, you know, some rational planning went into this. Now, since Joe Biden took over, since we have sanctuary cities unrestrained in New York and in Washington, D.C. and elsewhere, now it's become, hey, we can go to America uh, and we can just live off the taxpayers. Yeah, until yeah that's what they're doing. Joe, we got a bigger problem. We got Dr. Mark Siegel. Joe, you can stay on the line. Dr. Mark Siegel is on and talk about uh, the diseases coming through the uh, borders. Is Dr. Mark on? Yep, he is. Keep, keep Joe Borelli on. Let him listen to this. Go ahead. Let's go to Dr. Mark Siegel. Dr. Siegel, well, yeah, talk about what you're seeing. Well, you know, I actually heard the the uh, health commissioner of the city, Dr. Vassan, who I've talked, I've interviewed on the radio myself before, he's worrying about polio. Now, one of the reasons to worry about polio is even if most of us are vaccinated against polio, we're not going to get sick from it. But we could harbor it in our in our guts, and then it could be passed to people who are unvaccinated. So there's a question of polio. We're always worried about that coming from other countries, but clearly we could see that coming 
in from Mexico and Central America. Then uh, the next thing I'm worried about is tuberculosis, because with tuberculosis, there's places south of the border where tuberculosis is partly treated. Somebody thinks they have an upper respiratory infection. They take an antibiotic and the antibiotic partly treats it. We treat it vigilantly up here with, and, and in Europe and in many places with three tre- antibiotics at least. So you could partially treat it, then it becomes drug resistant and harder and harder to eradicate. I'm worried about sexually transmitted diseases being brought across the border. Of course, I'm worried about flu. We were worried about COVID. That's not completely gone. There's a lot of diseases south of the border that are not contagious that we can see, like Chagas disease in, in Central America is quite prevalent. You know, one study out of Europe showed that of migrants coming to Europe, 3% were suffering from that. That's a pretty severe problem. And I was around the Roosevelt Hotel the other day uh, with Lawrence Jones, and there's a lot of people on the streets. So there's, there's risks of diarrheal diseases, sleep deprivation, and dehydration. This is a very bad situation. Well, I don't know why is the White House doing this? I mean, enough is enough. I mean, you know, uh, I was the vice chairman at one time of the uh, Ellis Island Foundation, and we believe in immigration. I believe in immigration. But everybody got checked for diseases. Everybody got checked to make sure they weren't terrorists or, or, drug, or drug dealers and, and that they, and everybody got sworn in and they wanted to be a real American. Yeah. And they're not doing that now. And, and they're putting, you know, your point, John, too, is they're putting everybody at risk. I mean, these are serious diseases and they're not checking them, you know, Dr. Siegel. No, and, and, and John's point is right, that we used to check them. And, of course, I mean, you know, I don't want to make this uh, too ironic, but, of course, you can't check people that are coming across the border illegally by definition. And I forgot to mention the Custom and Border Protection stations being overwhelmed, our agents getting sick, and maybe the number one problem is injury on the way across that leads to our hospitals being overwhelmed. And I know for a fact, talking to some of our border hospitals, they're overwhelmed. We're talking about this now because New York City is inundated, but nothing, nothing like what you're seeing in Texas. Yeah. And the problem in New York City, by the way, I've got to add one more point about this, and I was focusing on this the other day. The problem we got 30 City seconds. Is, Guys, talk fast. Okay, our, shelters are full, our shelters are full already. That's all I want to say. Our shelters are already full. So I don't know where the mayor thinks people are going to go. They don't have room in the shelters. You know where they're coming? He said they're coming to a neighborhood near you. Isn't that comforting? Wow. That's what he said the other day. Uh, every neighborhood is going to be overrun by them. Thank you. Uh, How about Gracie Mansion? How about Gracie Mansion, Mayor? There, <laughs> yeah. we go. there you go. There's a solution, Dr. 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 Siegel, I'll see you for breakfast tomorrow. Thank you so much. And You're thank buying. you, Joe You're Borelli. Buying. I'm buying. <laughs> Thank you. And let's take a break. And what do we come back with? We've got Ryan Payne talking economy. The economy. Where the hell are we? And we have Trump's attorney, John you mean Morrow. Larry Kudlow took the day off? Yeah, I didn't know he had a day All off. Right. All right. <laughs> a common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, Larry Kudlow is off today. And how the heck is the economy going? Well, with us today is Ryan Payne. Ryan, have we had any pain today, or, or, or things are looking better? Well, I never take off for the record, uh, John. I'm not getting soft over here. I'm, but, I'm uh, with you. We're side by side. I'm always here. 
<laughs> I know. I can text any day, any time, and you uh, always respond. So, by the way, three um, in the morning, he will reply too. He'll be wide awake. <laughs> I'm going to try that. I'll try that tonight. But in the meantime, I think market sold off a little bit this week. Um, but in general, you know, I was pretty happy with that jobs report today. It came in a little cooler than expected, which means the job market might be not as hot. And that's what the Fed wants to see. You know, the hotter the job market is, the more hawkish the Fed is. Uh, the lighter the job market, uh, the more dullish the Fed is. And I think that lines up a good case for the Fed to pause on interest rate hikes come September. Ryan, Ed Cox here, the, the market's on a tear, isn't it? The equity markets, they're taking off. What happened to the recession we were supposed to have? Well, I was one of the few people in John that said we weren't going to have a recession, Ed. Um, and I think a lot of economists here have been uh, caught off guard. But my argument's been the whole way through. You can't have a recession when you have full employment. Um, and that's the one thing we're seeing here is employment remains strong. And on the other side of the equation, we've seen inflation come down precipitously since last summer. So it's a really good combination. And you couple that with we have manufacturing coming back to the U.S. Reshoring is a real trend. A lot of infrastructure is going to be built in the U.S. So there's a lot of good things happening in the U.S. economy that I think a lot of people aren't talking about. Now, the only thing we have to solve is uh, Chairman Powell finally reducing the interest rates and maybe maybe we'll have a great economy he just needs to listen to wabc john <laughs> I, I think you're right but you know some of the new polls um ryan don't look good i mean despite all that people don't why feel are people safe. unhappy with yeah. the economy yeah you look at full employment they have jobs well, they're, right. they're paying higher uh, gas prices uh, oil's back to 80 dollars a barrel yeah. you brought up mortgage rates too i mean there's a lot of really uh, the people you are can't still buy a house you're gonna pay yeah. six seven percent in interest rate right the, the polls are still showing people are overwhelmingly worried about the economy and don't feel that uh, that it's coming back and new studies also show that people People are afraid that they can't retire. They're going to have to keep working. That's escalating. The number of people who believe that they'll never stop working is increasing dramatically. Well, you know how I feel about retirement. Oh, really? that, that. That'll never yeah. happen. Have a yeah. people never happen. <laughs> never happen. Ryan, anything well, else you want to say? I, I'll say this. Look, I mean, there's always concerns about the economy, and inflation is still historically high. It's higher than it's been. But at the end of the day, I always say this. I say this on every show. It's hard to bet against the American economy. You know, we're very resourceful people. Uh, baby boomers have something like $74 trillion saved. Um, you know, it's the largest amount saved by the largest, second largest generation now. And baby boomers like to spend money. So I think the baby boomers will continue to spend. And I think, you know, we'll come up with ways to be resourceful here. It's hard not to be bullish. I'm optimistic. You should be, too. And we baby boomers like to work, too. Yep. Yeah. Yikes. It's like a lot of crowd. Like, my favorite generation. That was, that was some background sound well, agreeing well, with you. The control booth screwed up? No, no, that was the crowd I think agreeing with that. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> baby boomers. Thank you. <laughs> Ryan Payne, thank you so much. And you're going to be on tomorrow between 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock. And uh, I'll be listening. Oh, no, 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock. One o'clock and two o'clock. As I say, John, be there, be square right after Cudlow. Best two hours of your day. Thank Absolutely. You. Ryan, okay. thank you. By the way, you know, businesses uh, are worried, John. I want to bring up this Chicago mayor thing real quick. Tell because, us about Chicago. Oh, my. You know, we thought Lori Lightfoot was the worst mayor this of all. This one is worse, I heard. This one's worse. Brandon Johnson, the other day, uh, a, a 7-Eleven gets 
run over by like a huge group of teens. And the Seven uh, Eleven guys had a Rocky Calavito. Oh back. yeah, that, that was right. Seven Eleven. Right. Okay. So first, the first the Chicago mayor comes out and says, "Don't call them a mob. That's not nice. A mob is you know like the Godfather." How do you say drop dead? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. And then so John basically on the flip side at the Seven Eleven in California in Stockton, California, they used your Rocky Calavito stick. And there was a robber who came in with a huge garbage can, literally the shoplifter filling up the garbage can with and with cigarettes. And the Rocky Calavito stick came out and the guy beat the shoplifter. What was worse, what was worse for his health? The, the getting beat up by the Rocky <laughs> Calavito the stick or, or the, the cigarettes? <laughs> He wasn't smoking those, John. He was selling those. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. selling them, but the, but the storekeeper said he had enough, and a lot of people online are saying bravo to the storekeeper. He should have been selling store marijuana. Yeah, he was going to jail for yeah, There you go. Okay, Rita, who do we have next? Now we have Tony Schaefer, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. He is head of the London Center for Policy Receipt, replace, Research. Replaced uh, replace Herb London, Herb our London, dear friend. And also, Tony is also head of Project Sentinel. And a friend of Tony LaBianca. Yeah, exactly. How could you go wrong with that combo, right? We love Tony. And joining us now is Tony Schaefer. And Tony, uh, you're a great former intel officer. Big news today. Two U.S. sailors uh, were arrested in the last day or so for espionage, uh, working with China, selling our secrets. And the U.S. government is throwing the book at these Navy sailors. I'm glad they are. Tell us about it. So basically, you have two sailors who have been engaged in literally transmitting Highly classified information, and I'm looking at the actual statement from DOJ right now. Uh, they were engaged in actual transmission. That is to say, Rita, these guys were giving information on the USS Essex and other Navy ships in real time to the Chinese intelligence service. And this is this is super severe because obviously one of my big concerns is if you have a fleet out doing fleet-type things, protecting the sea lines of communication and commerce, the Chinese are trying to get ahead of that by figuring out patterns, figuring out vulnerabilities. These things go directly into the, the PRC, the People's Republic of China Navy, uh, their ability to counter and attack our forces. So this is this is very severe. And let me just say this right up front. I think this is the tip of the iceberg. I don't think this is the only thing that they're investigating based on folks I've spoken to. These are just some of the most severe, provable things that they've, they've announced recently. And- and um, the uh, U.S. attorney there threw the book at him. He had. I yeah. was watching the press conference. He said they picked cash over country, and they could potentially uh, get the death penalty. I mean, it's a very serious espionage. If they is serious cash over country. They should get the death penalty. Somebody, okay. somebody should, you know. Yeah, and you trust your military well, to give away military secrets. These guys were on the bases. Tony, it's Richard Weinberg. If you don't have the death penalty, you know what's going to happen? They'll just grab a couple of United States citizens, and then they'll try to trade them. So it'll be a hostage exchange. And that's what... Well, of course, that's... that's the, look, our adversaries as of late have learned that works. I mean, we've had this in Russia over and over. The Iranians have done that. And and, and, and Russia, I know we still have prisoners, political prisoners. That and how J. Edgar Hoover would have done in the old days, they would have been dead on arrival. So during World War II, to that point... Uh, you know, uh, John, is that we had uh, Nazi saboteurs come right on there on Long Island. And uh, out of the ones who landed at Long Island, I think all but two were quickly tried and uh, and assassinated. So anytime you engage against the U.S. government in any form, I think, where you're actually provably providing a, an adversary uh, direct information that will not only uh, severely damage the United States, would actually lead to combat losses, people dying in combat, 
I think it's an adequate justification to use the death penalty in these cases. Absolutely. Throw Tony, the book Tony Schaefer, him. before we hang up, yeah. one more one more item. Have you heard much about the the the, the Chinese uh, lab they found in, in the in West California? California? Yeah, that's so, really yeah, interesting. So this is interesting. They, they found it abandoned. But the, the thing is, it was leased to a Chinese company. And the things they found there indicated they were experimenting uh, on a number of, of animals. They found chemicals and biological traces that indicated they were trying to refine biological weapons. So this goes back to some of the things that I think Wuhan was actually engaged in in China, only here domestically. So, again, uh, we have to understand at this point the Chinese have decided by as a matter of policy they are in a state of war, fifth-generation war with us. That means they're going to do things to create uh, – subversion within our political system, Joe Biden. They're going to do things to undermine our culture. That is through education. My friend Catherine Herridge right now is being sued because she actually, at Fox, discovered a Chinese education institution here being funded by the Chinese intelligence service. They're trying to do that. They're trying to also undermine our, 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 our economy yep. by trying to devalue the dollar. Wow. It's, it's, Tony they're Schaefer. They're, they're, using, they're using fentanyl as a weapon of fentanyl. You have, yep. Tony Schaefer, you have my text. You have Rita's text. Text us right yes, away sir. when there's anything that you think the American people should know. Thank you so much. Thank you.